0: bucks in six bucks in six bucks in six this is the non microwave truth and I am CL Whiteside I've been hearing that phrase bucks and six a lot and I'm pretty sure I told you it was gonna happen alright I think it was two or three episodes ago now I brought up Jesus's wine miracle in John chapter 2 there seems to be a lot of wine drinkers by the way and I asked the question of what type of wine do you think Jesus' wine was? Like, was it rare wine or white wine? A lot of people have been getting or saying white wine. I think white wine is one of the top choices. And what I find funny is I'm shocked. I went to Total Wine the other day, and I'm shocked I don't see anything in the store with that name like Canaanite wine or Yeshua's wine or Jesus' wine. Because people will bring that up very quick, like Jesus turned water into wine. But I'm surprised no one has tried to market that or make a name with it. Or maybe they have. And maybe I just missed it. But all right, on to the next thing. Have you seen people at like events or at the fair and they had these signs and they're screaming like repent, repent now, stop sinning or stop abortion. Babies are dying every day at this many times. Thousands of babies every hour. And that I just thought about that because I work at a private Christian school and we had someone pick to stand in front of our school holding up a sign and it had like a baby fetus. And I was just like, man, this is so annoying for him to be out here screaming, stop abortion. Like one, our school does not support abortion or, or want that to happen. And it's like, go somewhere else. And that just made me think about John the Baptist. If John the Baptist was in today's world, would he be anything like that? And this is a personal thing. This is not in the Bible. When I read the stuff that John the Baptist says, like in Matthew 3 or Luke 3, I always picture it with him yelling. And I know it says he dressed kind of funny and he was usually out in the wilderness and people came to him. But the first world problem question today is. Do you think someone like John the Baptist, if he was in today's world, he would have a social media like would he have a TikTok where he does that and he goes off like he went off on King Herod in in Luke three, where he told Herod about him uh, marrying his brother's wife and called him out for that and all the other evil stuff he did. He got thrown into prison for that. Like, how do you think he would do it in today's world? Like, would he still be out in secluded places or do you think he would be a social media presence? What do you think about that? And if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, again, uh, go check him out. Matthew chapter three, Luke chapter three. Those are a couple places you can find him and his content or what he was about. He was about preparing the way for Jesus. But the first world problem question today is, would John the Baptist be on social media? Like, would he be on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat? Or would he be like going to secluded places and doing his thing? Like, how do you think he would do it in today's world? And remember, I love to hear from you, especially on Instagram or Twitter, Champion Life 23. It is dinner time. The title of this episode today is Careful what you ask. Careful what you ask because there's nothing like getting what you ask for, but not realizing you shouldn't have asked for it. Or if you do get what you ask for, there's other things that you're also going to get or not get, I should say. And something that pops up into my head right away is pre-COVID, how many kids said would ask for days off of school or not to go to school at all or to be online. And then all of a sudden they got what they asked for. You should have heard how the building erupted when the principal went on a loudspeaker and said, we won't be in school anymore. But all of a sudden that changed. Because they didn't realize that meant no more extracurricular activities, no more sporting events, so no more basketball game, no more football game, no more musical, no more concert. Oh, yeah. And no more face-to-face interaction with people. They didn't realize how much they would miss that type of thing. And then on top of that, they got super bored. So they realized what they asked for was not all this cracked up to be. And that's a perfect example. Careful what you ask, because you might actually get it. And that's just not the only thing we have to be careful what we ask. Like, how many kids are like, I want a phone. Mom, Dad, I need a phone. I need a new iPad. I want to be on this app so bad. And they don't realize all that screen time is killing their brain cells and killing their ability to focus. Or the people who say, man, I, I just would ask for my parents and my coaches to leave me alone and not care so much. Like, get out of my life. Like, get. Out, I want to get out of the house. So you're asking to be an adult and pay bills and do all those adulting things. That most adults realize, like, it's not fun. Or when you ask to be the man or woman of your team or your company or, or the group that you're leading, that means more responsibility. That means more work. And in a lot of cases, what we're really saying is, I want all the benefits, but I don't want the work. I don't want the responsibilities. And I definitely don't want the backlash or the blame. Or how about, I just want to be in a relationship so bad, man. Like, I just want a girlfriend. I, in fact, I want her. Man, you don't even know her. She could be super high maintenance and the opposite of an angel. But what about those things you think are really, really legit? Like, does careful what you ask for even apply to asking for pain to be taken away? And I say it definitely applies to this, too, because at times... If we ask for pain to be taken away and it's actually taken away, that may cost us more because all of a sudden we're not aiming to learn the lesson that we should be with that pain. And people all the time, people all the time give the wrong things credit for their pain. They give the wrong thing credit for their wounds. And some of these wounds happened years ago or or months ago. But they think I'll say it like this. They think their hip pain is from yesterday. When in reality, it's from something that happened two, three, four years ago. And what they really need to do is they need to change their form of how they're running. They need to meaning they need to get to the root of the issue, because if the root is still there and you don't get to the heart of the issue, it's going to be there. Or it's really only providing a temporary fix. And I'll give you some examples of pain where people ask for something to be taken away, but it really Is a little deeper than that, or a lot deeper, I should say. And one of them is when people have the pain of loneliness. And that pain might not be taken away because you think it's everyone else. But in reality, you just don't know how to be a friend. Or how about the the type of pain that you have when you don't make a team or you don't get a promotion or you don't get elected as a leader? And what we could be experiencing with that is, You need to understand you didn't work or move the way that God wanted you to. And if he took away that pain like you asked and he gave you what you wanted, you wouldn't change how you worked and how you moved. Or how about you asking God to take away the pain of people just doing you so wrong? Lord, people just treat me so bad. Can you take away this pain? And A lot of times, or what I've seen from a number of different age groups, it doesn't matter if you're 15 years old, 30 years old, or you're you're 70, 80 years old. In reality, what happened to that person was done a long time ago. It could be months, it could be years, it could even be decades. And they're asking God to take away a pain or a hurt and contribute it to everyone else, when in reality, it's really one person from or something that happened a long time ago. And if God was to take away that pain, that's only going to provide temporary relief. The root of the issue is and what they should be asking for is, Laura, how do I forgive? Please give me the strength to let go of something that happened five months ago or five years ago or five decades ago, because the issue is not other people. The issue is that you have never forgiven and you're holding on to this poison. And it's like you keep drinking it and then you keep blaming everyone else for you being sick. And God gets it. I mean, <laughs> He understands pain is the thing that gets our attention the most. So when we ask, and we have to be careful what you ask for with with taking that pain away, it's deeper than that a lot of times. And God knows, of course, that we aren't learning the lesson that he wants us to learn through this pain. Now, on this episode of Careful What You Ask, we're going to be looking at Samuel 8. But before that, I want to give you two examples that sound like the Israelites when they asked God in the Old Testament to have a king that would be relevant to us today. And the first one is if someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want a BMW truck, but they already have a great car. They already have a brand new Toyota Corolla. So the person breaks it down to him and says, like, why do you want a BMW truck? Like, you already have a brand new car. Two, I can fix your Toyota Corolla whenever you want. Like, if that BMW breaks down or something happens to it, I'm not good with the German engineer. Oh, yeah. Did you know that your car note's going to be about $600 a month? Oh, yeah, and your insurance is going to be five times what it once was? And you know you're getting about 35, 40 miles a gallon. Now you're only going to get about 20. You sure you want to do this? This does not sound like a good idea. And you know the BMW truck is just way more high maintenance. Like, if you need to change a light bulb in the BMW car, BMW truck, that's like $300. If you need to change this Toyota Crawler light, I can do that for $5. I don't care, though. I want what I want. The Israelites and us, a lot of times, we pick the BMW truck. Or this is something, especially like young people kind of ask. It's like, man, I'm kind of sick of living like this righteous, godly life. I just want to be more promiscuous. I want to be like everybody else. I'm just asking God, can I have fun like everyone else seems to be having fun? And then you end up with a baby. And instead of having a hot girl summer... You just end up with a summer where you have a baby and you're hot and you're tired. Or how about when you have sex with someone and they end up being crazy and you have to avoid going certain places because they might pop up on you or they might literally pop out on you. Or you just get dragged on social media because they found out that you were a player, but they don't call you a player. They call you a whole bunch of R-rated words. So much for that promiscuous life. Like one in a car or wanting to have fun is not bad. But we are definitely like the Israelites in that way. And I want to look at Samuel chapter 8. And this is when the Israelites are asking for a king. And at first, their reason seems to be okay. Now, they have this leader there named Samuel. Samuel was the prophet, the priest, the judge. and He was like the messenger for God. He was their leader. And at first, the reason seems legit because Samuel was growing old. And Samuel appointed his sons as Israel leaders. But his sons were janky. And they didn't follow God's way. They weren't anything like Samuel. They were the type that would be dishonest. They were the type that would take bribes. They were the type that justice really didn't matter to them. So all the elders of Israel, they came to Samuel and they told him like, Hey, look, man, you are getting old. Your sons are grimy. They don't follow God's ways. They don't act anything like you. You need to appoint us a king. And that seems like a legit reason. But it goes on to say, appoint us a king to lead us just like all the other nations have. So the real reason they wanted a king was to be like everyone else. Like that was the cool thing to do. And what we find in life a lot of times is we want what other people have because other people make it seem like it's so cool or like it's the best thing possible. And what we see with this is Samuel's displeased. He talks to God about it. He prays and God has to remind him. He's like, Samuel, it's not you that they're rejecting. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting God as their king. And you know what Yahweh says to them? You know what God says to them? He says, give them what they want. But let them know what this all encompasses. Let them know what they're really asking for and what they're going to have to give. Now, a lot of times we don't think about the fine print. Or we don't think about the other things that accompany what we're asking for. Or we just flat out underestimate it. And this is why you have to be careful what you ask. Now, this is the list of things that Samuel told the people that would come along with this king. He said, look. The king is going to take your sons. He's going to make them serve with his chariots and his horses. He says some of your sons are going to get assigned to be commanders, and others are going to be assigned to plow his grounds. Others are going to be assigned to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. Oh, and your daughters, they're not off the hook. They are going to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. And some of your children, they're just going to flat out be his servants. They're just going to work for him. He's going to take the best of your fields. He's going to take... The best of your vineyards and your olive groves, and he's gonna give them to his attendants. He's gonna take the best of what you have and throw parties and serve himself. He's gonna take a tenth of your grain, and he's gonna take, if you make some good wine, some really, really good wine, oh, he's definitely gonna take that. He needs to get that to his officials and attendants. And if you have a great servant or a great person that's working for you, he's probably gonna take them too. He's gonna take the best of your cattle, the best of your donkeys, he's going to take a tenth of your flocks, and you know what? He might just have you come work for him in his kingdom. And Samuel even tells him this. He says, I can guarantee you there will be a day that you cry out for relief from this king that you have chosen. But I'm telling you now, if you pick him, the Lord will not answer you when you cry out to him. Man, after Samuel listed like the first two things, I'd have been like, nope, just kidding. I don't really want a king. But do you know what the Israelites said? They said, Oh, yes, we want this. We, we want this. We're positive. We have our mind made up. We want a king. Give us a king. And that's like us in certain ways. Like we don't care about the backlash at times. Like when you want a job or you want a certain promotion and you get it, you knew you wouldn't see your family anymore or that would add way more stress in your life. But you didn't think that something bad would happen from you not being there for your family or you having all this extra stress in your life. It's something that people underestimate a lot. Or there are times when we ask people to do a favor or we ask God to do something for us. And what we want is to get bailed out of a sticky situation we shouldn't have been in. And if you do get bailed out, you start thinking you're invincible. So that means I can get bailed out of any and every situation. And all that does is end up leading to a bigger pitfall or a bigger stumble in our lives. And I wonder if Samuel would have asked the Israelites, like, why do you ask for this? Would they have answered like we do with a lot of things with Because I just want it like it's something that's been on my heart for a long, long time. It's a desire that I have. And if I if I ask for it, like he should give it to me because that's what I want. And I know it should be good because it's from my heart. And that's something we got to be careful from, too, because Jeremiah 17, verse nine tells us, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? All right. Now I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be transparent with you and share some things that I've asked God for or i'm asking right now for i have a great desire and i've been asking god to allow me to be a head coach and have my own basketball program and i've come to the realization that god may not want me to have that and he might just want me to be an assistant and at the age of 22 if you would have asked me i was like man i'm gonna make this happen like i'm telling you i'm going to do this but now it's more so like if it's in god's plan then awesome If it's not, then I know he has something different in store for me. And I've been able to see that throughout my life and see he can use me in different ways. Because when you ask to be a head coach, you're asking for the blame. You're asking for the scrutiny. You're asking for more stress. And that's something that I know now. Something else that I've asked God for was, you know, marriage. And it was never like, hey, I want to marry this person or the specific person that I was dating. It was more so like, hey, God, could you deliver a five, three thick or coke bottle shaped woman. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm low key serious. But the more thing that I uh, the bigger thing that I was asking for was a god-fearing woman. Someone who could bring glory to his kingdom and help me fulfill my purpose and reach my potential as a man. But like a time and a specific person? No. No. And I probably didn't do that because I realized that there's a reason for every season in our life. And being single was awesome because God could use me differently and my relatability was different and the relationships that I could build then were different and I could focus on God and and me. I could focus on our relationship so I could grow differently, like without the expectations of a spouse. And dating, the dating world helped me appreciate what I have now when I got married. And that's not even like saying that the people that I dated were bums or anything, but that's just talking about understanding God's timing and when it's approved by God that's a pretty huge thing and the last thing that I'll share with you that I'm asking God for is a house the housing market is a fool right now it's absolutely crazy houses are going in like a day people are paying 20 30 40 50 sixty thousand dollars over what the asking price price is so imagine i make a house purchase that's outside of God's will I'm gonna be messed up for some years or If I would have just asked God to marry a 5-3 Coke bottle woman, and it wasn't God's will, and I did it anyway, and she ended up being crazy or something, ooh, that'd be bad. But hey, I learned to be careful what I ask. I learned from Jesus how to ask. And I read that passage of Jeremiah 17, verse 9, and usually people just stop there. But the next sentence says this. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. This tells me that God knows me better than I know myself. And I learned from Yeshua, Jesus, how to ask. Like in Matthew 6, he was talking about how the father knows what we what we need before we even ask him. And this is when he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He's talking about and he shares with us the Lord's prayer. And that line that, that gets me every time is when he says, your will be done like your will be done. Like, let's be honest, the will that we're usually most concerned with is our own personal will. And Jesus completely understands that. And he gets that. And in Matthew 26, he asks about the Father's will, and he asks not to overrule it. And he says, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He asks this twice. And if you're not familiar with that, this is the time where Jesus understood that he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be beat, spit on, die, have to suffer hell. Like he knew a ton of pain was coming his way. Like if you or me knew a bunch of pain was coming our way, we'd be like, God, forget your will, I'm trying to not experience this pain. But we see through this that that pain and through the father's will, how blessed we all became from this. We see how much glory God was able to gain through this, through Jesus following the father's will. And Jesus was very careful. He was very intentional on what he asked. And he made sure to understand that it was all about the father's will. It was all about Yahweh's will. Now, there's this book called Champ Talk. It's a great book. You should check it out sometime. Um, The author has this quote, though, and, and the quote says this. It says the grass always looks greener on the other side. But instead of moving, I've decided to water my lawn. And what the author is trying to get at is that perspective matters so much. And if we're constantly looking at what other people have, we can't be appreciative or as grateful as we should be for the things that we have. Like when you're trying to keep up with someone else, you really don't know the full situation of the other person. And there are two categories of people that we usually fall in, but there should be a third category. But the first category that we fall in at times is like, man, I just want to be like everyone else. I want to follow the trend. I want to do what's cool. I'm sick of getting made fun of. These people are saying this is the best. So they must know it because everybody else is doing it. So we follow that. This is kind of like the Israelites when they asked for a king. They were trying to go with the trend and they wanted to be like everyone else. The other category is that I want to be unique. And the danger with this at times is like we can want to be unique, not because we want to please God. We want to bring glory to ourselves We want to seem better than everyone else. We want attention and almost like we want to be treated like we're on some pedestal. But there's a third category. And this is the thing that the world tries to do a lot of times. It tries to make things two sided. But this definitely has a third category. And that category is I want to be what God wants me to be. And at times that means God wants you to be like everyone else. If the trend is people are following his ways and doing things that he wants them to do, then yeah, definitely follow that. Be like everybody else. But at times when God wants you to be what he wants you to be, that means you will be unique. That means you will stand out. But the purpose and the reason behind it is different. You're doing it to bring God glory. You're doing it for his kingdom. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the father's will. And in Psalm 143 verse 10, this sums it up nicely. I think this is King David. I'm not sure though. But it says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We don't have to do this by ourselves. We have the spirit there to help us and to help reveal that will of God. And we should almost rejoice when God doesn't give us what we ask for. Like there's some blessings in that too. And whenever we ask, whenever you ask, always ask, is this God's will? If it's not, then I don't want it. I know that I don't know better than God. I know it's like this is easy for you to say because you're recording a podcast on it. And I know it's way tougher when I really, 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 really have something that I want or desire. But let me give you an example of a time that I was in that position. Like I mentioned that I have a dream and a desire to be a head coach and have my own basketball program. And I was in that position where I could have had my own program. But God made it pretty obvious what I should do. And he gave me not just the fine print, but he gave me obvious print. And off of that, just seeing how he's used me in different ways and blessed me in different ways as well, all because I followed his will. It only makes sense to do it the next time and the time after that. And with the help of the spirit, that's what I'm going to try to always do. I'm going to try to always be careful what I ask and make sure that I'm always asking, what is your will? And I know some of y'all are asking God like for everything, like he's a genie. And instead, you got to realize that he's a close friend. He's a friend family member. He's a father. He's a brother. So pray and ask him to teach you and to show you his will. Ask that the spirit reveal these things to you and lead you like you're not supposed to do this by yourself. This is one of the main reasons we have the Holy Spirit. And I know some of y'all are not asking for anything because there's doubt about this whole God thing. Like, does he really know me better than I know myself? Does he really want me to have the best? Because I can tell you, people feel like this. People will say, I feel like god has shorted me or he's cheated me on some things in life and i'm here to tell you those feelings they're real but everything you feel isn't necessarily a fact and i can guarantee that you can't understand the why unless you get to know god like you can't come to understand his commitment to you by yourself like you need to study him in his word you know the bible you need to be shepherded by a church you need to be supported by other christians And this is a process that you can't microwave and try to speed up, like you for real need to give it some time. Ask Yahweh, ask Christ to reveal what does he want from you? Like What does he want from you? And when it comes to asking anything from God, learn from Christ to always think about what is the Father's will. So be careful what you ask for and look at what you're asking for, what all that entails. And you can never go wrong. You can never go wrong bringing us to God, whether it's big or small, and asking Him what His will is. We really should take everything to Him because He does care about the small things and the big things. And He can reveal to us the things that we might be blind to, or where we might be underestimated and not reading the fine print carefully. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Careful What You Ask. This is a Time of Grace production. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.